Crypto for Planners. You are now tuned in to Crypto for Planners. All financial advisors are welcome to Crypto for Planners. Crypto for Planners. All right, this is Adam Blumberg. Welcome to the Crypto for Planners podcast, the only CFP that really matters. And today, we have a very special guest on the Crypto for Planners podcast put out by PlannerDAO. This week, this time, we have the one, the only, the man, the legend, Tyrone <laughs> Ross. Tyrone Ross is joining us on the Crypto for Planners podcast. This is a big deal. We've been buddies for, I don't know, four or five years, something like that, which is yeah, an eternity man. in the crypto world. Uh, feels like an eternity in any world. So, yep. Tyrone, man, good to, good to talk to you. How you doing? I am well, man. Always good to connect with you and, you know, fellow crypto hippies. So this is this is good. This, this will be fun. That's right. Fellow crypto hippies. Let's um, if you don't mind, we're, we're going to tell your story in a minute, but let's go back a little bit to I mean, do you remember like we first started talking uh, and we probably hit this on a few other podcasts we've been on together, but this is the first yeah. time I actually get to be on the side of the interviewer. Yeah, I uh, usually it's you interviewing me or something. So do you remember when we first uh, chatted? We we uh, got hooked up and talked for like two hours or something. You remember yeah, that? Yeah, I do remember it. It was, I remember sitting in my kitchen having that conversation. It was like, oh my God, somebody else that gets it. I'm not crazy. Cause at that time I was getting pelted on Twitter. Like I was getting killed and I was kind of like loosely putting some stuff out there when I was at Merrill Lynch 15, 16. And then like when I really went all in, it was kind of like, you know, they were throwing tomatoes at me. It was like, what is he talking about? And to talk to you was just like, oh my goodness, a breath of fresh air. So yeah, man, I do. it, it got to be going on five years now. Yeah, it, it's been a while. I could probably look back in our emails and find it, but I can tell you, yeah. I can even tell you who introduced us. And I heard you talking on uh, the the podcast, the um, the Long Game podcast with Trayton and Thomas the other day. Yeah, about your when when you gave a talk at Consensus 2018, I think mm -hmm. it was. Yeah. Uh, and I was there. I was at that consensus and I saw you on the stage with Josh Brown <laughs> yeah. and Ari Paul. And that was mm -hmm. one of my first forays into crypto and, and uh, financial services. And I, man, I'll be honest, and this isn't blowing smoke or kissing ass or anything, but I was like, that's the guy I got to talk to. Yeah. And then um, I started chatting with uh, the, the guys from Delphi Digital when they first very first launched. Uh, at a time when, I mean, they were they were just trying to get some uh, subscribers. Yeah. And I I chatted with them on LinkedIn. We had a call. I call. I talked to Tom. Um, yeah, I talked to uh, Anil, I think. And Tom mm -hmm. was like, you got to talk to Tyrone. You, you got to meet Tyrone. And I think mm -hmm. he hooked us up and we were talking soon. And I remember that day we talked. You said, no one else knows this, but I just put in my notice that I'm leaving my RIA. Yeah. And that's why that's why we had so much time. Otherwise, there's no way you would have had like two hours to kill on the phone. Yeah. But you didn't have a job. Yeah, absolutely. No job. Just looking. Yeah, no, was, uh, no job. Yeah. yeah. You were unemployed the, the first time I ever talked to you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like now. Yeah. Every <laughs> time we talk. So, so I, I feel big things coming for you. Anytime you're unemployed and looking around, just yeah. feel free yeah. to give me a ring. And, and this time we'll just record it. Yeah. You're my good luck charm, my man. Uh, I, I'm, I'm happy to do it. Yeah. Okay. So um, we, you know, we, we know a bit, a little bit about the the backstory, but run through it uh, for, for anyone who hadn't heard it in, in a in a couple minutes here. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, born and raised in New Jersey, 
Um, started my career in financial services at a, a small firm called Financial Dynamics doing IRPR. Um, luckily, I had a mentor there that was like, man, you seem like a caged animal staring at screens all day. Um, let's kind of free you and get you to like a broker dealer or on the retail side. Um, found my way to Merrill Lynch, where I found uh, crypto in 2000, it was early 2015, late 14, 15, and was punch drunk, went all in and uh, started to literally go down a rabbit hole, didn't come out, um, left Merrill uh, in 17 to start an RAA that was just working with you know, the crypto nouveau riche, if you will. So, you know, for the 16 and 17 and then just came face to face with all of the problems that a lot of advisors now are probably still having with some of this stuff, but really started to, again, put myself out there. And that's when, you know, Josh Brown reached out and a lot of people were like, hmm, he's kind of making sense of this. He sounds crazy, but he's kind of making sense of this. Um, yeah. And then things just kind of fed on from that. Was that altruist for a bit? Did the human advisor podcast? Um, hooked up with uh, Chris King and what he was doing, you know, with, with Eagle Brook, met him when I did Pomp's Pod and then left there and then started on ramp. And back here, the circle comes right back to you, my man. <laughs> All right. Well, happy to uh, complete the circle and then and then send you on your way again, send you back out in the world <laughs> and then bring you back in yeah. and we can talk about what's going on in the world. So with that, uh, I know and and anyone following you knows you've been going on this uh, kind of tour around a bunch of advisors, not only in the last few weeks, but in the last few years of, mm -hmm. of crypto and advisors and trying to get in, into the traditional financial services world. So tell us at this point or, or kind of a brief history even of where are advisors now, where are RIAs, broker dealers now in terms of crypto and digital assets, even versus where they were, you know, just a few years ago? Yeah, I, I definitely think everyone is in the exploratory phase, right? I think you know this, you, you, you're getting asked to speak a lot more and then you go into these rooms and the rooms are full um, and advisors are reaching out. And again, for, for those keeping score at home, when I say advisors, I'm speaking about the RIAs, not the IAs, um, just trying to figure out what's going on here. Right. What can we cannot do? What does the regulatory clarity look like? What's its place in the portfolio? Does it have intrinsic value? Right? What is a blockchain? Right. I think it, it all depends, as you know. But I think right now, as I said at the beginning of the year on my pod, I don't think when the dust settles at the end of this year, there won't be one RIA that is, has not at least looked at this because I think they're all getting questions. They're all trying to figure this out. And we've reached mass acceptance, like it's not going away. So I just think everyone is in the exploratory phase. You're not really seeing too much. Um, oh, it, you know, there's tulip bulbs. We're not touching it. You get some of that, but that's mainly those that are hybrids or whatever. But I think, as you know, it's only a bubble until clients want it. <laughs> right. And then clients are asking about it. Then all of a sudden is, wait a minute, we got to figure this out. So right. I, I was talking yeah. with someone about that this morning on a, a show I do. And he said, uh, Goldman is going to start custodying. And I said, yeah, they were staunchly against it. Not even very long ago. They had the very famous slide deck that basically said, we, we don't believe in this. We're not going to do it. We don't like it. And then they're turning around. And I have to think that a lot of that is just demand. They got yep. money walking out the door. 
yep. they can hold like all that all you got to do is custody bitcoin and you're going to keep millions of dollars what why would you not do that why are you going to dig your your heels in on that right and so to double down on that point and i won't um i'll, I'll protect names here but i think everyone knows anyway because it's been in the financial media but i was at a firm a very large firm and i was talking to them about exactly that I said one of your largest clients are going to walk in here and they may have a hundred million of assets with you or 50 million whatever and they're probably going to have at least that or double away in crypto. And they're going to ask, can you help? And you're going to say no. And you're going to lose all of the assets because they're going to go, nope, I'm, I'm moving the whole relationship now. I'm going to an RIA that can help me with all of my tax, financial and estate planning around crypto and my traditional assets. I don't see any difference here. Why aren't you up to speed on this? And again, there's two ways to clear a room, compliance and crypto. You add those two things together. <laughs> you really get crickets, right? And talking to the compliance folks and some other, they were just like looking at me like, oh my God, what is he talking about, right? So that's going to be a real thing and it's going to happen sooner than later. So what, what have you seen? Because obviously you've seen some RIAs and, and even some broker dealers that are looking at it mm -hmm. that have probably softened on crypto that have said, okay, we it, there was a time when we were staunchly against it or just not going to go down that road. And now we've kind of turned the corner. What have you seen that, that's turned the corner? Is it just client demand or is it understanding better or, or is yep. it the current macro environment that they're like, oh, well, this now it makes sense to me? Great question. So I think it's client demand. Um, and I think it's just how do we get educated, right? Okay, probably if I go back like a month or so ago, there was a week there where BlackRock, Hightower, um, Beacon Point, right? Like they were just, all the behemoths like came out, like we need to, you know, just education, right? How do we get educated here? And I would have to believe that is because that they are just getting questions from clients. So I think those two things bleed into one another. As far as the hybrids, I think it's, they are waiting and waiting and waiting for an ETF. And they're also waiting and waiting for, for more guidance from FINRA. And get, FINRA has given some, and they said they would give more, which is a small caveat here. We can spend a whole podcast talking about some of the, air quote, clarity that has been given to the RAA space and hybrids that advisors don't even know about. So they don't even know what they can and cannot do. But there's been active guidance given here. Um. And I think the, the last part of it is now with still trying to figure out Bitcoin and Ethereum and hearing about DeFi, now you get into a low rate environment, inflation running crazy now. And then it's like, okay, well, all right, now talk to us about this 4%, 5% you say you can get, right? This 6% you say, how are you doing that? So now all of a sudden they want to start hearing about that. So it's, it's really interesting times. And I think for you and I, what is interesting here, and I know you've been saying this as long as I have is... Again, Bitcoin, 13, 14 years old, going 14 years old. All these environments that Bitcoin has had to go through just in the last two or three years, it has to prove itself. And it's been resilient and it hasn't died and it hasn't gone. And if anything, it's grown. Um, so these are all things that everything that they said would kill it hasn't killed it. So now they're just like, all right, get Adam on the phone. <laughs> get him in here.
Uh, that would be awesome if they said, just get Adam in here. Uh, <laughs> I will hop on a plane tomorrow for any of those names you mentioned. Get him in here. Yeah, I, I will be doing that. But isn't it interesting? And I, I've heard you talk about this, and this will probably lead to multiple conversations right here. But one is your you know, time as a, as a financial advisor and the education you had to go through just to be a financial mm -hmm. advisor and the education I had to go through to be a financial advisor. And I was even a finance major in college, right? But then one of the great thing, parts to me about learning crypto, and I, and I don't mean to be such an evangelist and we could echo chamber each other all day, right? But I don't, mm -hmm. but one of the great parts about learning crypto is you learn about finance. You yep. learn about economics more yep. so than you ever did because it was served up to you on a silver platter so much before mm -hmm. that you didn't have to think about it. Yep. And now you think about it. And now, I mean, you and I, I'm sure, and all the people that are into crypto are incredibly engaged on what's happening on a macro level, yep. more so than anyone I know. I can have conversations with my friends about what's going to happen for, for, from an inflation perspective or on a macro perspective or what's happening in Russia and China and with the dollar and the ruble and yuan. And they don't honestly have a clue. And I got smart friends, but they don't, they don't understand it partially because they haven't delved into the world of crypto and decentralized finance and had to think on those terms or, or had their mind open that way. So what have you seen in terms of your growth and understanding of just the world and the financial system because of, of coming in crypto? Because you and I obviously come from very different worlds yeah. uh, you know, of, of upbringing. So what has happened with you and on your understanding of crypto this kind of changed your understanding of the, of the financial systems? Yeah. So it, I'm glad you mentioned that. And I, I couldn't agree more for me personally. And I, I've made no secret about this, right, of, of growing up in a home that lacked any type of traditional financial services. And the first to, you know, graduate high school, I didn't learn anything about stocks or bonds or anything until I was 26. But when I got introduced to crypto, as you mentioned, I spent hours and hours and hours and hours learning about this. I, I just fell in love with it because the minute I got Bitcoin sent to my phone, all I could think about was my mother like driving, crying to find the next check cashing place. So I'm like, this is, I need to learn everything I can about this. And to that point, I personally have started to pay more attention to other segments of the market and things I'd never cared about before through crypto. And I've learned a ton and, and the history of money and monetary policy and fiscal policy and all, you know, computer science. Like I'm, I'm, I'm watching this, uh, this course now on YouTube, which is phenomenal. And I'm bear with me one second. I'm gonna look it up. I think this, the general Tim Roughgarden foundations of blockchains, right? It is unbelievable. Every, if you're in crypto, you should watch this every, like, if you want to understand, like it is unbelievable how he, I think it's 25 total modules or something like that, but it is phenomenal. And I'm learning about, you know, uh, Byzantine fault, you know, like all these different, you know, mempools and tendermint and all these other things that I'm not a computer scientist. I don't, you know, I don't code. I don't do any of these things, but now I have an interest in them. So I've, I've, I've put the button on that by saying, I'm also a fierce advocate for financial education, and I feel like it is impossible to learn about crypto and not go back to square one. Like it, it literally takes you back to go. And now you have to learn about the dollar, right? You have to learn about 
the gold standard. You have to learn about, you know, monetary fiscal policy. And, and again, Ray Dalio has a, a, another, you know, animated video that's so powerful explaining, right, um, the balance of power of, of different countries um, and the Federal Reserve and all of these things, right? So you think about that, you know, learning about the Fed and the Treasury and all and all of this together and, and how markets work and infrastructure and settlement and custody. You can't like you touch it all. And I think if there's if crypto did nothing else, it forces you to learn about all these different segments and how they go together to make Bitcoin introduction to the world. Now, everything that comes after it, Cosmos and all the other stuff that we were talking about on Twitter today, just so fascinating. Yeah, that's it's great. And, and I've you know, gone down that rabbit hole too. And then, as you said, you have to learn about all those different aspects. And even to the point that, what was it last, uh, late last year with that infrastructure bill being passed, all the crypto people learned first, you know, right away about how the government actually works, right? About how those, those systems work. And we saw one person pretty much stonewall, you know, getting some of those crypto provisions out that we don't like, just because that person didn't wasn't going to get a, a particular $50 million allotment from that bill, right? Mm-hmm. Like we learned how it worked um, kind of firsthand because it, it affected us at that point. Okay, so taking all that that you've kind of learned, and then you have to explain several things, I imagine, to the RIAs and, and the financial advisors, right? Which is, okay, there's a need for this. There, there is definitely a need for, for crypto. It's kind of going that direction. And there's there's going to be an infrastructure built around it because of all these reasons. Do they do they start to get it? Do they start to go, oh, I understand why there can be several different crypto assets, because I understand that that there needs to be a set a global settlement layer that is not owned by a company. Or I understand why we need to have a some sort of reserve currency that is not run by a government or a bank? Do they start to get that? And do I start to get open? Or do they go, just give me the damn ETF? Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah, the answer is just give me the damn ETF because it's easy. They don't have to learn anything. It's just push a button, right? Wrap it at 1% and go play golf, right? But there is, the, the eyes start to open. At least I know for me, because I do a couple things. I explain it through that lens of my personal experience of, well, here's why it makes sense. But the people that have never had financial access before, it's inarguable that this helps that. We don't have a real-time payment system, right? Like there's so many different things. The second part is the, the infrastructure and talking about, well, you guys aren't even aware that there are OCC, right? Federally chartered banks in the space and qualified custodians and exchanges and all these other things. So that education, yeah, it starts to open up. And then the last part of that is, which I also know, you know, well, is when I, when I speak at these FPA meetings or, you know, in front of whoever it is, right? Traditional advisors, it's, well, why don't we just have a conversation with the client? Here's how you just have the conversation with the client about this. And they appreciate that. And one, one advisor told me, he said, you know what? Every time I sit in these crypto conversations, years are taken off of my life. You helped me put years on my life because now I know I just need to be conversant. I just need to bring it to the client, be you know, honest and open about where I am and go from there. But 
it is they're they're starting to come around now. And as you know, I think there was a post on LinkedIn yesterday that Lacey Shroom posted, and there was a guy in there that there's no intrinsic value, and it's it's this you know you you're never going to convert those folks, right? They'll be the last in. But I do think a lot now are really open to okay, well, where where does it go in the portfolio, right? How we is it fresh cash? Are we taking money from bonds? You know, is it coming out of the equity sleeve? Is it digital gold, right? Like, you know, um, can we short it, right? All of these different things, you know, um, they just want to know. And I think when you say, yeah, you can, you know, and you will kind of walk into that. It's, it's, it makes for a, a fascinating conversation and everyone finds it through their own lens. Okay. So uh, some interesting points there, because on, on one hand, you have trying to help, help advisors understand, right? And, and for an advisor, it's how do we allocate to it? Where's the, you mentioned the intrinsic value or any sort of other value, right? And does Bitcoin have value? And then you have to go into, okay, there's all these other tokens. Here's where they might or might not have value, which means I got to explain to you smart contracts. And I have to explain to you other types mm-hmm. of custody. And I have to explain to you liquidity pools. And uh, I'm, I'm with you, man. You got to go all the way back to the beginning. Mm-hmm. And even further, because you got to go back to where crypto started, then you got to go past that and go, here's how banks work. Did you yep. even know how banks work? Yeah. You know, you know, do you know how exchanges work, order mm-hmm. books and all that? And you have yep. to break all that down, insurance and everything. Mm-hmm. But then do you 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 get to the point where advisors are going, okay, we want this to be in portfolios because we hope that our clients put their money in and it goes up in value and these crypto assets go up in value. And then the next steps are going to be, do you even understand how the the underlying protocols work because yep. there's a whole nother opportunity there there's yield generation opportunities and such so are are we are we getting to the point where they go okay we can put money into some of these assets and we hope they go up and we're trying to evaluate the portfolio and we just have to get there and be happy with that for a little while before we take next steps yeah yeah and i and i see and and that is the one thing where I will I, I will argue this with anybody. I, I, this this narrative that the demand isn't there. I, I don't believe that. I do think there's a big education hurdle because they need to be explained of the options that are out there and how they get into the market. Because what's funny to me is if an ETF was approved today, no one would ask the questions that they're asking now. You wouldn't. And we need to be honest about that. But no, because if, at that point, the assumption from the advisor perspective and most investors is up. Oh, well, if the SEC approved it, it's okay then. Exactly. Right? Yep. Or Bitcoin can't go down now. Yeah, yeah, the SEC yeah. Approved it. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And if it does, it's okay because the SEC approved it, right? Right. Like, yeah. You, you know can't I mean? sue me anymore because there's right. an ETF. Exactly. And and those, I think it's just the other thing that crypto was doing is showing those those flaws and how certain language and things in our space need to be updated, suitability, custody, discretion, all of these different terms need to be updated and refreshed and expanded. But I do think advisors are saying, okay, I can allocate. I want to, but how, right? And what's the best way? And what it, so there's a lot of pent up demand. It, it, it is, you know it, I know it. And, and it bothers me. We're like, well, it's just not there for advisors yet. Yeah, well, of course, does Hightower need to care no, but they will have to at some point and they care enough now to go, well, we can't ignore it. We should probably start getting educated on it. No one is beyond, you know, just waving this off now. You can, you may have a little more time than others, but when you look every day, a Goldman, 
you know, a Bank of America, a, a BlackRock, all these, the, the, the largest asset allocators in the world are here. We can't just go, ah, oh, well, you know, nah, we're not going to bother. You got to start to look at it. And I do think there's so much pent up demand in the RA space still. Like, I, I, it's so much pent up demand, which is why I say, we'll continue to say, the next lift, the next trillion, trillion and a half, two trillion of market cap is coming from this space. Almost got to four oh. trillion <laughs> with, wow. you know, 10 cents on the dollar of wealth management money, probably less. Less. It was, it, it was like eighty yeah. percent Michael Saylor. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I just don't. Yeah. I, I think folks are really underestimating the opportunity here. Yeah. I, oh, I agree. And and yeah, the the RIA world, the financial advisor world, where they control hundreds of trillions of dollars worth of assets. Um, they they have to be educated. They have to learn about this. Um, the the crypto companies, whether they're custodians, exchanges. Uh, on off ramps, protocols, whatever they are, mm-hmm. need to get in and yep. you need to start talking to those advisors in a language that they understand and, and in a language that makes sense for them and for their clients, but also understand we still have regulation, right? Like there still yep. needs to be regulation. It can't be 100% Wild West. There have to be a few rules in place because otherwise you have the 2017 ICO deal, you have these rug pulls, you have all this other crap that you can't have when you're going to have financial advisors trying to help the average investor with some of their money. Yep. And how about this, right? I, I interviewed a gentleman, the CIO of Paratax's Capital for my podcast. I believe it'll be out Thursday. But he was saying that part of what you know they do um, in their fund is they invest in you know some yield gen protocols and stable coins and he said he mentioned MakerDAO and he goes we actually participate in the governments in the governance of the DAO as part of our due diligence and I'm like and I let him finish and I'm like there you go that's another thing about crypto is really cool when else could you've done that before with any other asset class ever you couldn't right and he didn't even think he goes yeah you're right I'm like yeah you like you're in actively involved in the governance of this token, you want to talk about full transparency, you can't manipulate or do anything alone. It's going to take an, you know, a whole group. You just get to add your two Satoshis, if you will, because you're invested in the protocol, right? And the DAO and the governance. And what's interesting as well is that all governance isn't the same, right? Like, so it's just really cool when you look at it, that a hedge fund now, how hedge funds actually are allocating capital is totally different than it would be before those crypto hedge funds. So this is really cool, man, when you look at how it's changing. But bringing that now to back to the group that we speak to is I wish the majority of advisors understood that there's transparency here. Everything is highly auditable. If you want to go look and see, do advisors have the time because they're marketing their practices and running a business and running teams and all this? I get that. But if you just wanted to take some time and go see, all right, well, let me just dig into near or Bitcoin or Ethereum. Like it's all there. Like nothing's hiding from me. Yeah, right. And it's shockingly there. Yeah. Right? You may, it may, there. Yeah. It may yeah. be too much. 
Right. You, <laughs> you know? hop on a forum, you're like, oh, wait, I'm on the maker forum now. <laughs> exactly. like, my comment's right there. <laughs> yeah. Yep. You know, and, For and everyone to see. Right. And some of the founders might reply to me. I might have a good idea. Who knows? But OK, I'll I'm, I'm going to transition a little bit. Yeah. Um, a lot of your so many of your uh, uh, tweets and posts and such you reference, you know, either, either something someone else said or something that you're thinking or, or some article. And you talk a lot about the future for for advisors and the future for managing assets is going to be non-custodial, yeah. non-custodial wallets. Mm -hmm. I know what you mean, but tell me what you're thinking and what you mean by that. Because you're talking to more advisors, you're talking to these protocols, you're talking to these, all yep. these others. You have a different insight. Tell me what, what the thought is there. Yeah. And, and I, listen, I, I had the opportunity to nerd out with Jeff Garzik about this. So it was really neat. Um, so non-custodial two ways. Non-custodial meaning, one, the assets are not held at a centralized custodian that we all know and love, right? And I'm, I'm calling Coinbase and Gemini at this point legacy custodians, right? So whether the client is using MetaMask, right? That's a big one that everyone knows, right? And I think, what what is MetaMask now? 10,000 monthly active users or something like that? Insane. So that part of non-custodial. And then also non-custodial, meaning these assets will be on chain, right? That the management of these assets, right, on, on, you know, layer one for the security, right, the security model of the, you know, Ethereum or Bitcoin blockchain, and then you have all your layer twos, right? And Vitalik was just talking about this as well. Again, every, everyone is realizing it now where the layer ones is where you'll have, you know, some activity, right, as far as those assets that are really valuable and things that are there. And then, you know, you have, Lightning I was reading an article about trying to bring stable coins to Lightning, which is awesome, right? Uh, Tarot, they're calling it. Um, shout out to Elizabeth, Elizabeth Stark and everyone that's working on Lightning. But these layer twos and side chains and all of these things, this is going to be the future, right? Where now an advisor is dealing with a client that has the majority of their assets held away off exchanges, but in their pocket or in these wallets. Where it really gets interesting is take a Fireblocks, for example, right? Which I love. When advisors figure out what Fireblocks are doing, is doing, uh-oh. But in a Fireblocks wallet, I can have multiple assets, just one wallet, right? Like that is fascinating. So now I have one wallet and I have my Roth IRA, I have my traditional IRA, right? I can have my brokerage account, I could be... This is next level stuff. That is true vision of what I'm talking about. That's going to be a thing. Advisors need to be prepared for that. So now when you break that down into, well, wallets aren't necessarily accounts, right? Where we are dealing in a space where everything is what? Is about an account. Mr. and Mrs. Client. Mrs. Client has two accounts. Mr. Mr. Client has three accounts. I have five accounts in that household. That household in the future is going to have one wallet. Right. And then it's going to have all. Right. So this non-custodial future sounds scary, but that's literally what's going to happen. And it's being built already and it's going to happen. And then right, an index co-op, all those things. Now, what happens when the mutual funds and ETFs and everything is on chain? Right. That's coming. <laughs> I mean, exciting for me, but I, I think it's something that when you talk about that in traditional realms, it's just like, oh, my God, is he serious? So, so what do the advisors have to start with now to get to the, the point where they understand 
uh, a lot of what you just said? I think the, f- the first thing is, is to simply pay attention. So there's a, there's a book, right? And I actually have it here. Define the Future of Finance, right? Read this book because it'll give you a good idea, again, of just when you hear TVL, right? What does that mean? And, and AMM, right? What does that mean? And, and all of these buzzwords and terms and get a feel for what that means. And you'll see that, oh, lines of code has attracted $200 billion of capital. As an advisor, you're foolish if you think a dollar, at least a dollar of that money is not your clients. It's there. It's a way. It's locked in these protocols and smart contracts and all these other things. So start with the reading. I think the other thing is it would help as you start to see that you know, I'm, I got to be honest, I'm still warming up to NFTs. I think it's similar to ICOs. I think once the bubble pops, the use cases are going to be awesome about what's built through NFTs and what it's going to do for creator, creators and all of that. But right now, it's just too much nonsense going on. But if advisors start to understand NFTs and you go, oh, okay, well, they hear OpenSea, they hear NFTs and they hear MetaMask. Just stay there, right? Maybe download MetaMask, figure out what that's like, like use it as you always talk about, which I love that you preach is like, you don't only teach advisor stuff. Like, no, nah, we're going to get hands on. Like you're going to use this. We're going to show you how to actually do it. Now, again, we're not talking about, you know, synthetics and curve and all of that. But I just think if you say, all right, move some money to MetaMask and move that money, to, you know, move that to OpenSea, right? And then kind of see what that's like. And, I, and then I think advisors will start to understand, oh, this is what the client is doing away from from us and how easy it is to open an account and move money and and you know have all these different places where I'm staking and yield farming and borrowing and lending and all of this is oh my goodness right so as you start to see all of that you're going to start with the reading actively you know learning the terms and obviously getting educated through what you're doing but also just kind of start to be hands on a little bit it's impossible not to believe that this is what's coming you know, it's so funny when you say that and, and telling advisors all especially, go try it, right? Go open up a, an account, Coinbase, Gemini, Kraken, wherever, buy some crypto, move it over to a wallet, interact with some sort of protocol. Just try it once. Connect your MetaMask, connect to a protocol. Mm-hmm. Don't do it with too much money because you probably don't know what you're doing and you don't want to get rugged or, or yeah. you know, the wrong, the, the wrong link or something else. But look, we all, we all have to lose a little money accidentally. To yep. figure out how how awesome, <laughs> I, I, I admit, man, I've fallen for a scam. I was on Discord and I was on the phone and I was like, "Oh, someone sent me something. I'm going to go hit that." And bam, they have access to my wallet. Yeah, but it, it's funny that as I was teaching one of my classes and someone said, "This is too much. This is ridiculous. The steps people have to go through and the security issues and all that, and and this takes too long." I said, "Really? When was the last time you opened up an IRA for someone and had them move their old 401k into it? How long does that take?" How many phone calls yep. and pieces of paper that you need signed and faxed and emailed, and then you wait 30 days just because the company can hold it because they want to, because that's the law and they don't have mm-hmm. to move it. Mm-hmm. This doesn't take longer than that, I yep. promise you. Yep. So you, you go through it. You just go through it in a different way, usually. Most advisors go through stuff like this. They just go through it in something they totally understand, and they know full well that the process is going to take a while, and they yep. know exactly what they're doing. And- they know how to handle those frustrations. This one, they just don't know how to handle yet. And, and they're going to, you know, you're right. They're going to get there. Yep. And I, and just, just quick to that, I, I can't tell you, and again, I'm not telling you anything you don't know. 
I've spoken to so many. I have advisors, like big, big advisors, right? Over $500 million, right? You know, almost a billion in assets that are like, I want to sell my practice to go all in. Like they're DeFi DGENs. Like they're all in on this. I spoke to another one today, again, at a very, very, very gargantuan RAA. And the, the, the CEO of that actual RIA that's in this massive entity who the CEO sent that person to me, he's on this team and he's like, no one here gets it. They don't understand. And man, we went through everything. And he was like, they just don't see what's coming. And I'm, he's actually doing this for clients. And I'm like, well, be careful. But the, but the other thing is, is there is, there's this time now where, if you start to see that, and, and you know this as well, you're starting to see a lot of the folks from Goldman and JP Morgan come into this space and start companies or whatever. You know as well as I do, when we start to see our own, starting with me and you, leave that space and come over here and with Planner Dow and all of the smart advisors and CFPs and CFAs and everyone that is coming to this space and see it, Rick Edelman, right? Like, Josh Brown, all these folks that have kind of like, ah, whatever. And they're kind of like, all right, we got to, we got, all right. Right. And they're, they're sending their smartest. So when you start to see folks leave behind the traditional space, like offering to sell their practices to go all in on DeFi, it's not a good sign for wealth management. <laughs> well, you, you say it's not a good sign. I think it's a really well, good sign for wealth sign, management, but, right? Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a really good sign. Yeah. It's not a good sign for those that are digging their heels in. Yep. And going, we're not going this direction. We we don't believe in it or whatever. It's yeah. a really good sign because it's natural evolution. It's the way yeah. it's the way it should be going. So with that question, I, I think I got I got three more for it. Yeah. If you got time. So one is um, you are you have been pretty outspoken about um, the, the underserved, the unbanked, mm -hmm. the underbanked, whatever we want to call it, which to be honest, was a big part of why Bitcoin was created and why DeFi is created to serve those. But we've seen it go so much more in the direction of the very wealthy yep. or those that that you know have have wealth, creating wealth. And even then, it's getting more and more so that way. Yep. What have you seen? Because I know you've been in those communities and and you know grew up in those communities. What have you seen in any sort of inroads that crypto or DeFi or even advisors who advise on it and teach about it? are trying to get the, the underserved involved? And then how does that translate into the value of, the, of, the, of crypto, the value of the community? Yeah, I, again, we, we definitely, this should have been the first question, not towards the end, because you know, this is near and dear to my heart, but I'll, kind of, I'll try and keep it brief. This is one of the things that everyone knows me, I'm very passionate about. And I will, it's inarguable to me, of what this has done to help the underserved and people that don't have financial access. And I'm not talking about Nigeria and Argentina. I'm talking about right here in America. And I think, again, when you have the lack of a real-time payment system, we don't have, Japan has had it since the 70s. When you talk about the number of, of check cash in places that outnumber Starbucks and McDonald's and all these things combined, like there's a reason why you're starting to hear about central bank digital currencies now and fed now, which was supposed to get in 2023 and all these different things because there has been a realization that financial services have been set up for the elite, the privilege, the people that know what I've seen more than anything. And the data has proven this out 
is those that have come into crypto for the first time are young, Hispanic, black, women, LGBTQ. And I know firsthand for the last, let's just call it 15, 20 years of trying to get the black community invested in stocks, I couldn't do it. Not for us, it's for them. It's not for us, it's for them. 2017, you couldn't keep them away, right? Like, oh, we need to get into this. And I got so many people now that are engaged that are just, hey, I want to learn. So stock market has been around since, what, the 1600s or so? And right now, only half of the people in the country own stock. We've done a really crappy job of trying to market to get everyone invested here and pushing money just from one rich side to the other rich. That's all, that's all it is. But through that data and what I've seen firsthand, looking at what this has meant to folks who just say, all right, well, this cash app, I could just download cash app and I can do $5 a week. Okay. And this is, this is what now? And then you're starting to see how it's being marketed and branded to them. And yes, this is an education curve, right? Sure. But I think what you're really starting to realize is there's just been this underclass that hasn't been presented with the opportunity to invest at all. I don't need to be an accredited investor. I don't need a JP Morgan advisor. I didn't have to go to Yale. Really? I don't have to open a 401k. I just, on my phone. Interesting. Last point on that is if you look at those communities that I've spoken about, community banking, right? Postal banking which we need, we don't have, but just community banking, pooling assets, pooling our assets together. Man, that sounds a lot like liquidity pools and automated moneymaker, but whatever. Pooling money together so that we can, as a community, send our kids to school, get a store, do all it. These are like, that's how my aunts and uncles, right? Something called a susu. It's how my aunts and uncles bought their first house, sent kids to school. Everyone pulls their money, right? There's an oracle. Someone that's responsible for making sure that the money is allocated. There's this schedule when everyone's going to get the money. I'm going to get mine first. You're going to get yours in four weeks, whatever. And then it's just trustless because why? I know you, you know me. We eat the same foods. We take the bus together. We come from the same country. We speak the same language. Now it's just, I don't need to know your social security number or how much money you make. Just put this money in this pool and just make sure that we all get a turn Again, that sounds a lot like what crypto and blockchains and DeFi and all of that is. So it's an easy sell to these communities if you can get it to them. And that's my responsibility. So I'm very, very passionate about that. I think that is the most powerful use case to crypto networks and crypto protocols and cryptocurrencies and crypto assets and NFTs and everything have. But it's my responsibility to keep pushing that forward because it can get lost in how do we get you know, BlackRock in, or how do we get an ETF approved, which is why I hate an ETF. It's, it doesn't, an ETF doesn't help any of the people that I just spoke about. Doesn't help them. Right. But now the nice thing is understanding that there are all those people that are currently not really participating in the economy, not really participating in the economy that most of those wealthy invest in, right? Mm -hmm. You go, okay, we can bring all their money in now too. Yes. And if you invest in Bitcoin, if you invest mm -hmm. in ETH, you're investing in all this new demand coming in. Yes. All this new money coming in that yep. was just there waiting for it. And we've given an easy on-ramp for them to get yep. into the economy. 
and to be a part of it and you get to invest in it. And that to me is a lot of the sell to financial advisors. This is why it's relevant. It, it's relevant because it gets more people into the system in a way that can be really, really fair. Yep. And, and that's part of where you, when you start to hear that, well, if you look at the, you know, it's concentrated with the, do you know, and again, look at the data, right? The, these big exchanges have one wallet that has all these different, right? So when you break all of that out, folks, and even when you, again, you start to look at the data, those that own 0.00001 Bitcoin all the way up to, you know, a half a Bitcoin, look at those numbers, how they've grown, the amount of people that are just starting to get exposed here. It's just, it's just really powerful, man. And again, if nothing else, and this is why I said, let's, the Bitcoin little B price goes to zero tomorrow. I am fine. Because as long as the big B keeps running, that means that there are billions of people that get financial access every day. And as long as that happens, guess what I said before? The first thing I said won't happen because it's going to provide a security of value, right? So you notice as well with educating, it's like, well, we want the Bitcoin, but not the blockchain. And the blockchain, well, you can't really separate them. They go together. You see what I'm saying? So that right there, I am always use that example all the time. And they go, oh, I get it. Exactly. You can't have one without the other. That's just, they, you know, one hand wash the other. They both wash the face. That's exactly what this, what this is. And so powerful for the people who don't, get access because as long as Bitcoin continues to run, all of the thing, Cosmos, which you and I spoke about on Twitter, all these things now just continue to get developed and, and smart people come in and really start to build these layers and access for, for micro lending and all these other things that we've never had before that squarely benefits people that can't walk into a JP Morgan branch and get a damn account. And by the way, I have to wait 45 minutes. <laughs> So the, the last thing I'll talk about Tyrone here is, is after all this, of course, you've been doing your, uh, we'll call it the tour to Tyrone <laughs> all over the country, talking to uh, yeah. RIAs and, and other investment houses. Uh, what is next for you? What are you looking to do next? Um, so I'm going to build again. Um, I am working on something that I think folks are really going to love. Um, and it's going to be a major help to all of those listen, myself, yourself included. Um, whether you are RAA, hybrid, wirehouse, doesn't matter. Robo, it doesn't matter. Um, and we are in the ideation phase of that. But I am stoked. If you follow me, I, I left some clues. <laughs> but um, so that's one. Um, the other thing is, I, I, I can't hide, but, you know, folks have seen, I have been talking to some large R. I've just visited Charlotte. Uh, Dynasty, and I've been to Carson, and I'm I have another trip planned that folks will see see soon. So there may be an RAA in my future. Um, thinking about that, building the next gen RAA that may happen, may not, but I'm um, I'm thinking about some some opportunities there. Um, and on this education tour as well, I'll be in the next CDA cohort. Excited about that. I have some really cool things that I'm doing on the financial education front as well. So. There's a lot of things out here. I, I have some other things that I can't mention right now. One, I will tell you when we stop recording that I forgot to tell you that I am stoked about. Um, so it is, uh, 
it's a lot going on, man, but I'm, I'm excited to share soon. I won't have anything to share for a while because if you, if you know me, I love to market and promote. So the only thing now is my podcast, but um, I'm, I'm excited about the, the chess board and the chess pieces that I'm putting together. Uh, that's, uh, that, that's good to hear that there's some RIA work and uh, something secret. Yeah. Uh, oh, always yeah. got to keep the secret. Always got to keep that marketing angle and, and the yeah, announcement will come, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. 100%. All right, man. Well, it was uh, it was great to catch up. You you can give the uh, the the Twitter handle here just so everyone knows where to find you. Who who anyone who doesn't know, which <laughs> I, I have no idea how someone listening to this who doesn't know, but anyone who doesn't know how they find you. Yeah, at tr four hundred one. I live on Twitter. Um, you could probably get a response to me on Twitter faster than email, text message, anything else. I know um, that at, for, yeah. a, for a fact. I know that. <laughs> so, I at you, and, and man, if, yeah, Twitter, it, it's an, almost an immediate response. <laughs> it is. It uh, is. <laughs> sorry, real quick, I, I have one more thing. Tell the story yep. of the 401. So 401 is, goes back to June of 1996. Um, I was a junior in high school on my way to the state championship meet to run the 400 meters. Um, scared as could be, did not want to do it. And my high school coach, before we got on the bus, Brought me to the back of the school. And, I, and again, love him like a father now. It means the world to me. And he said, look, everyone is coming to this meet today to run 400 meters. You're going to run 401. And I was like, ooh, I like that. <laughs> right? And I ended up winning the race only because I ran 401. Like I ran through the line. And my teammate, actually, who was second, kind of like died. And I just, I was like, I'm running. I'm going to win this race and ran through the line. And I live my life by that ever since, like 401 mindset, lifestyle, just do one more, one more, one more um, at all times. So, yeah, that's the story of 401. All right, man. Well, I'm, I'm glad I, uh, I got you to tell that again. It's always a, a great story. Um, Tyrone, uh, I'm, I'm honored that uh, you took the time to talk with me today and talk with us on the Crypto for Planners podcast for the Dow. I'm honored that you're going to be in our, uh, our course, our CDAA course coming up. Yeah. I hope there are more people. Even more people. We're, we're filling it up quickly, but I hope even more people come in because that's going to be some fun uh, live sessions we got going on talking about crypto. So honored that you're here. Love what you're doing. Love you, man. Appreciate Love you. Love you too, man. Love what you do you too. want to say? What's the last things you want to say? I know, I know you like to talk about you, some things that are important. You already, you already know what's coming. NoKidHungry.org. Um, I'm passionate about ending child hunger in this country. Grateful to you. Um, for, for being an advocate again, love you too, man. And everything that you've, you've always been there for me. We've been there for each other. And the friendship means a lot, mainly because you're a thoughtful giver. Um, I have a code out there as well for those who want to join the CDAA, right? It's Ross 20. Is that it? Right. I got it right. Ross 20. Um, 10% of the proceeds of that is going to go to no kid hungry. So yeah, run over to nokidhungry.org, make a donation to feed a hungry child and Ruth Mulhern, Mulhern, wherever she is, the lunch lady. Um, who fed me that day in school when I was uh, hungry. I had no lunch. So it's in her honor. So I appreciate you, man, as always. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, they accept crypto. Yes. Found absolutely. that out. Found that out accidentally on Twitter when I said, you guys should accept crypto. And they said, we do, and sent me the link. So yeah. Shout to the Giving Block who make that possible. Yeah. Donate all of your Doge. <laughs> all right, man. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, everyone, thanks for uh, listening. This has been the Crypto for Planners podcast. Again, the only CFP that matters. <laughs>